Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field, and this is our final show of the week as we will take a break from recording shows the rest of this week over the holiday. So happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Hope you certainly enjoy a day with family and friends. But Wes, because it is our final show of the week, we might as well dive right into keys to victory here. The Packers are headed to play the Giants in New Jersey, Sunday noon central time kickoff. The objective is to get win number nine. So how do the Packers go about doing that? I'm bringing up right now, Mike, NFL GSIS, the the information system for the NFL. (laughs) And I can tell you confidently right now, the New York Giants are 32nd in the league when it comes to giveaways via the fumble. 15 lost fumbles, minus 11 in turnover differential this season. It's not very fancy. It's not this big, (laughs) huge, massive take. Uh, The Green Bay Packers have been pretty good at points in this season taking the ball away they need to do that and you know the other thing is too uh Saquon Barkley uh, has been much maligned here the last month people are kind of doubting where he's been at if he's healthy the issues they're having running the ball the Packers can't allow themselves to be the comeback game here for Saquon Barkley yeah he needs to stay on that same trajectory 14 carries 28 yards 13 carries one yard 17 carries, 60 yards. I mean, this this pattern he's been on, you can't allow him to break out because as we've seen in this league, you know, he's a young man, he has a lot of ability. If you allow him to be able to, to break one early, it's going to make for a long afternoon. So to me, those are the two biggest things in this game. Take the ball away. If the fumbles present themselves, the interception presents itself, execute on it, and then just make sure that Saquon Barkley doesn't run wild. Yeah, and with regards to those comeback players, I'll add that the Packers can't let this be Evan Ingram's big comeback game if he does return from the foot injury, which we will see as the rest of the week goes along. But we all know the problems the Packers have had covering tight ends in the middle of the field. Ingram is a guy that Daniel Jones would love to rely on. They'd love to build the entire passing attack around him against a defense like Green Bay's. So if Evan Ingram is playing, or really whoever is playing tight end, but certainly he's their most dynamic if he is healthy enough to go, the Packers have got to do something about it, Wes. I mean, you know, we've seen Travis Kelsey, uh, Darren Waller from Oakland, um, now obviously. Greg Olson. um, Yeah, Greg Olson from the Panthers, and obviously George Kittle from the 49ers. Tight ends have been burning this defense, and the Packers have got to somehow, some way, find a way to put a stop to it and start that trending in the other direction here down the stretch. Yeah, because if you go back, independent of the Packers' own issues defending the middle of the field and, and tight ends this season, the last time New York's offense, other than you know some promising signs last year for Saquon Barkley, the last time their offense really was feared was during Evan Ingram's rookie season when he went off for, what, 800 yards, had a bunch of touchdowns. Just really looked like this guy was going to be a, a, a decade-defining, era-defining tight end. Just yeah. be what he looked like and him coming out of the first round and the, the ability to just jump right in there as a rookie. How many times have I said on the show how long it takes for those type of players tight ends to get it up to speed with the game the speed of the game Evan Ingram didn't have those issues yeah he but was the, high impact right away but the issues he has had is with injuries and I'm glad you pointed out Ingram because a week ago at this time you and I were discussing okay well if George Kittle plays the Packers have to be ready for it if Evan Ingram plays you have to be ready for it because as Kittle showed even if a guy's coming off an injury like that he's still George Kittle and he could still burn you in the middle of the field and really that was the biggest 
you know, not to steal Wayne's phrase here, but dagger in that game was that the Packers just were not able to come back, mount the comeback they needed without allowing the explosive play, and, and you can't allow Evan Grimm to be that player. Yeah, I mean, I would say also with regard to this game, I mentioned, I believe it was on yesterday's show, that uh, the Giants have been outscored 81-27 to in the first quarter this year. It would really behoove the Packers to get off to a fast start in this game. You're on the road. Don't let a 2-9 and team on a holiday weekend feel like they're going to be in the game, feel like, uh, you know, hey, they can uh, they can make a statement here by knocking off one of the NFC's contenders, all that. The, y- you, have to, you have to jump on this team early, try to break their spirit a little bit, and uh, and then, you know, really just, just get back on track with what's been successful and what's gotten the Packers eight victories this year, which is, which is using the running backs, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, getting that defense to take the ball away, as you were talking about. Get back to what's won you football games. And that, that to me, really is what this Sunday trip to play the Giants is all about. Yeah, and especially from the offensive standpoint you mentioned, defensively this year, Giants have had a really difficult time. And it's been kind of a pattern for them for about three, four years now where the unit that in the late 2000s and even in early 2010s was really stout, could dictate the tempo of the game, had a lot of pressure, could take the ball away. They've really had none of that the last five years. And this year it's kind of seeped into that as well. So, yeah, from Aaron Rodgers and in the running back's perspective and these offensive playmakers, this is where you have to get up. You have to be able to mount some offense and, and really you know give it to the Giants the way that they should be uh, dominated when you look at this on paper. Uh-huh. Again, you can't look past the opponent. How many times have I said that this week? But this is the type of game where you can't even allow them to be in the game, I feel, especially being on the road. You get this win, you host Washington next week, then suddenly you find yourself at 10 wins. You have to earn them. But the path to the playoffs, to steal my Spofford <laughs> phrase, is there for Green Bay. Well, I'd like to bring path to the playoffs back to Packers.com sooner than later. That didn't but... make an appearance last year, did it? No, it hasn't made an it hasn't made an appearance. Well, actually, I thought it in seventeen might, you did it. I think the one, yeah, right at the game when Rodgers was going to come back yeah. from the collarbone, but then uh, obviously the Packers were eliminated after that. But yes, I would like to bring Path to the Playoffs back to the website as a weekly feature down the stretch here. But I think it's at eight wins, it's a little too early to be uh, to, to no. go with that. But if you get to that ten marker, that's yeah. the one you always talk about, and to be at ten wins. And then hosting the Chicago Bears at home in week fourteen or week fifteen, excuse me. Yeah. That's that's the path. And the Giants are interesting because they have played some teams tough, but they've just always been in a position this year where they've kind of, you know, shot themselves in the foot at the wrong time. And it's cost them ball games. But I think last week showed against Chicago, if you play down to their level, they will mount a challenge. So for Green Bay, I, I think that's the biggest thing, just getting off to a fast start. We talk about it a lot, but they haven't done it in two of these three losses. They need to be able to do that. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot here in a second. Do it. But I'm going to preface it by saying that uh, neither you nor I is an X's and O's expert. We don't coach this game. We've never played this game at any sort of high level. I the Howard Swamico Rec League would very much <laughs> okay. disagree with you on that. All right. Well, maybe I had three sacks in flag football my last year. Maybe, maybe the, the uh, maybe the Platteville Rec League flag yeah. football in middle school would 
would count as Give well, yourself but, some credit here, all right. Michael. What I what I wanted to preface this with though is I know all the fans are asking, well, how do you how do you go about guarding the tight ends? How do you go about, you know, defending the middle of the field? I don't have the answers, X's and O's wise. All I know is I think the Packers have got to try to find something different because what they have tried to this point is not working. I'm going to turn a question out to you about the offense because there are a lot of questions right now as to what is going on with this Packers offense since Devontae Adams came back. The offense was better statistically all across the board. The offense was better in the four games that Adams was gone. Yeah. So what do the Packers have to do offensively with Adams back in the lineup to get back to where they were? And well, again, I say I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, no, the, the, the thing I really liked from that Chargers game, I know that sounds weird probably <laughs> saying that coming out of my mouth with everything that went wrong, but, you know, we talk about adaptation, and, and Jason Wildey from The Athletic and ESPN Wisconsin and all the other entities that Jason you know, works for right now, he did have an interesting story last week about Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, how they will, like, steal concepts from other teams. Yeah. I really liked that that first game against Can- after Kansas City all that motion and not and not really like formal motion like almost sort of like arena league guys just moving around in the backfield not even really getting set before the play i really like that concept that mm-hmm. they ran with uh Hardman they ran it some with Tyreek Hill Kansas City did in that game against Green Bay they come out against the Chargers they did the same exact thing with Aaron Jones I understand it went for a one-yard loss on the catch, but I really liked it because it allows him to get open in space. And they haven't—that's the last time Aaron Jones, I think, has caught a ball, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Now, the challenge here is that when they split Aaron Jones out, now you're seeing more safety cornerback help than you did when it was just a middle linebacker trailing him. You can't do that. He's proven his hands are too good, and he's too fleet of foot. I still think there's ways you can scheme him open. And for as many times as Jamal Williams caught the ball last week, and mind you, some of that was in garbage time late, but he had seven catches. You have to be able to put the ball in Aaron Jones's hand yeah. outside the numbers. Okay, I'm laying that out as like a, one thing. Because my original thought when Devontae Adams came back is you have these two weapons, established weapons in the National Football League. That's going to be a challenge for defenses to figure out how to scheme against them. Now, they've played some pretty good units. San Francisco, there's not a whole lot that can be drawn out of that because I think San Francisco is the best defense in the NFL right now. But the games against Carolina and L.A., I think there were opportunities there the Packers were not able to take advantage of. So whether it comes down to the, the game plan coming in, sticking to the game plan, you know, finding different things that work for where the offense is at, that's the challenge of Matt LaFleur this week. It's a challenge of these offensive coaches in the weeks to come. But they, they've been more spread out. They haven't been doing as many condensed formations as they did early on this season. I, I, just, I, I wrote it in inbox this morning uh, on Wednesday morning. I just feel like you got to get back to doing what you do well. And I don't know in these last yeah. two losses if we've really seen that, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, I'll say this, and I don't like to get into schematic discussions too much. I just wanted to throw that one at you. When I look at the San Francisco 49ers game and what sticks out in my memory, that, that is one heck of a defense that San Francisco has. I take nothing away from it, from them by any means. The two plays that stick out to me in my mind that – really worked for the Packers and looked like they were the best plays they ran all night. The end around to Alan Lazard yeah. and then the the uh, the touch pass to Devontae Adams going in motion that went for a walk-in touchdown. 
So it was as though, okay, so those plays worked, but then all the other times the Packers were running the motion and all that kind of stuff, the 49ers weren't biting. Yeah. So the times that they actually did give those guys the ball, those plays worked. So do you need to do you need to literally give those plays more of a chance to get defenses to just play you more honestly? Yeah, I, I'm just sure. I'm throwing it out there. Yeah, and I, I actually did. Lo- I mean, both of those plays, Mike, came out of those those bunch formation formations we were yeah. talking about. In the Lazard one, I really liked because for the last two years, everyone's been talking about Alan Lazard being you know a hybrid you know type receiver tight end. Yeah, line him up off left tackle and let him come around on an end around. He had the second. We had that little screen up in the press box that shows you like that must be a next gen stat for speed. Yeah, Alan Lazard, who by a lot of people thought they he wasn't fast enough to play in the NFL. He yeah, had the one second, of the reasons he didn't get drafted. He had the second fastest time on a play of any other player that night. Nineteen point eight miles per hour was his peak speed on that play. Yeah, get that guy the football in those situations. I, I, I guess my point is, you know, giving the ball to the receivers in those motion type situations, maybe instead of doing it as a token thing, yeah. like actually build more off of that so that the defenses really do have to honor it for the bulk of the game. And then maybe it opens them, opens up some other things against defenses like the 49ers that, you know, quite frankly, look like they knew everything that was coming at them Sunday yeah, night. I really like that, that you mentioned that, because that was one of the things when I was looking at the box score last week going in this game, I'm like, well, you know, for as much motioning as the Packers have done, I think maybe Trevor Davis had two carries. Uh, I think MVS had one this season. They haven't actually fed the ball a lot to the to the yeah. receivers. They show they spots. show they show it a lot. Yeah. They show it a lot, but maybe maybe it's maybe it's time to actually just run though actually run those and give the ball to those guys more often and make defenses play you more honestly yeah. in that respect. I don't know. And I'm there is a lot of variation that goes into all this, but when you think about it, you go back to a month or two ago with the Danny Vitali, you know, wheel route out of the backfield, those type of things. Those are the things that defenses once they see them, they have to scheme against them. And when you have more variation, when you have more unpredictability, that's when things really kind of open up. The, the 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 problem the Packers have been stuck in in the game against the Chargers and now against the 49ers is when you fall behind the way they did at halftime, now you're spreading it out a lot more. Yeah. Now you aren't able to run as much because, yeah, the okay. Ga- the game situations definitely factor dictating. into into how you go about things in the second half. But yeah. what's the difference, Mike? The Packers are 8-3 and three when they had those eight victories. It's being able to get off to fast starts. It's being able to score off that initial possession. We could talk until, you know, however long we want about certain schematic adjustments. If you score... If you get that first drive right away off the bat, that's what ultimately gets you set up for the remainder yeah, of the game. It it's the first the, domino. It sets the tone, absolutely. Um, Select Cousin Subs locations, West are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. Okay, Thanksgiving Day is right around the corner, and that means football. Three games early, mid-afternoon, and evening. Bears-Lions in Detroit. Quick thoughts? Uh, you know, it's it's really emotional for me, Mike, that it's been six years since I've eaten that Thanksgiving turkey at Ford, Ford Field. Field. <laughs> Man, those were the days. Yeah, no. 20, 2013, the last time the Packers played in Detroit. On nope. a very A very forgettable I've been football to game. 31 of the current NFL stadiums. There's only one NRG in Houston I've not been to yet, which I will check that box hopefully, knock on wood next year uh the ford field's the only one that i make a beeline for the for the food yeah. not because it's awesome but because 
it runs out very quickly. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I've, cover, I've covered Thanksgiving games at Ford Field in 2007, 2009, 2011, and 2013. I have yet to eat a bite of turkey at Ford Field yeah, Ford, I, because they always run out of food. I don't frequently get timed at the 40, <laughs> but if you had, like, one of those highway guns, like, in terms of, like, measuring, like, speed, yeah. that thing, I'd be, I'd be pushing maximum <laughs> speed on that thing. Because, not that, again, not that the turkey's that good, but if you don't get to the turkey, it's just potato salad and... You know, yeah. sa- you know, lettuce. I mean, ask Tom Silverstein from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel about that. But, okay, long story short, uh, Chicago, Detroit. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting to me. I don't know what's happened the last few years where the Packers have not been put on Thanksgiving ever since the Brett Favre comeback game because they played in 13 in Detroit, and it was basically every other year they were going to Detroit. Yeah, every, every odd-numbered year, like I say, 7, 9, 11, 13, then 15 was the Brett Favre, Brett Favre here. game here against uh, Chicago on Thanksgiving, which was a rainy night just like it is outside right now as we're yeah. taping the show. But, yes, yeah, since 2015 now, the Packers have not played on Thanksgiving. It's like it's turned the world on its axis, yeah. and now they can't find a way to get back to <laughs> yeah. equilibrium. Yeah. Uh, no, but, I mean, the Chicago – uh, Jeff Driscoll, if he plays, David Blau is his backup, the former uh, Purdue quarterback. Um, to me, this looks like a game where Chicago should improve to six and six. I, yeah. I don't see any other way around it. Their defense is still pretty good. They have enough offensive weapons. I just haven't seen anything from the Driscoll Lions offense to suggest that they're going to win this game. Even yeah, if it I think home. the I think the Bears are looking at this obviously as get to six and six, and then they say, hey. You know, we have one more game, and then we're going to be playing the Green Bay Packers. So the Bears are looking at it saying, hey, if we can get to 7-6 and six and then come to Lambeau Field and knock off the Packers and get to 8-6 and six with two games to go, then it's like, hey, you're still scoreboard watching in, in that instance. But yeah. they're hanging on by a thread, and they're going to try to hang on as long as they can. They kind of remind me a little bit of the Pittsburgh Steelers, too, because it's not like you're, you're not playing for draft picks. I mean, you're playing for wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, there aren't draft picks there. So they, they got to get after this thing, I think, for Ryan Pace and – and certainly for Matt Nagy showing that the steps that they made last year, they're not that far off of that. But in and, and let's be honest too, Mike, for Mitchell Trubisky, he's got one month here to show some real signs of improvement. Yep. He needs to make those strides. Yeah, no question. All right, game number two on Thanksgiving, the Dallas Cowboys hosting the Buffalo Bills. A lot of noise in Dallas from Jerry Jones and his frustrations with losing to the Patriots last week and the Cowboys being Six and five at this stage, and the Buffalo Bills at eight and three, and looking to uh, try to stay on track for a playoff spot in the AFC. But everybody questioning just how good the Buffalo Bills are based on their schedule and who they beat. It's really weird. I don't know what the Vegas odds are on this game. I would still think that the Cowboys are favored, even though some I would of the think, issues yeah, they've had. Yeah. But here's the thing for Buffalo: this happened to him two years ago. Uh, with Sean McDermott's first year as I think his first year as head coach, maybe it was two years ago. Uh, you you got to play the you got to win the games that are in front of you, mm-hmm. and for the most part they have. Now they've taken on the chin a couple times too, but you know that's a good defense offensively. They do enough to win some of these games. I I still don't think they're overly dynamic with what they do, but be that as it may, they're playing the competition that they are. The Dallas Cowboys to me have underachieved. I mean, they just have. And I understand that that was a mud bowl, a slop bowl on Sunday night. You throw some of those different variables up. They did not get the ball to Amari Cooper in that ball game. Uh, Zeke Elliott has been kind of up and down this at points of the season when he has played. But the Cowboys are still in the lead of that division. If you get to nine wins in the NFC East, 
you have to be feeling okay about your playoff chances at this point, or yep. at least winning that division. Yep. And I'll be honest with you, Bills are eight and three, but I mean the Cowboys need to win this game if they are legitimately going to try to put together any argument that they are a contender. Yeah. And in the night game, the New Orleans Saints getting a rematch from just a few weeks ago against the Atlanta Falcons. This one will be in Atlanta. The Falcons a few weeks ago came off of their bye at 1-7, and seven, went into the Superdome in New Orleans, and kind of shocked the NFL world in a sense by not just beating the Saints, but but quite frankly beating them handily. And then the Falcons won another game, and they were looking like, okay, they're putting everybody in the NFC on notice who's on their schedule. Then last week they go out and their defense sort of reverted to form, and they gave up a whole bunch of points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they lost again. Yeah, Atlanta so- playing at home against New Orleans. New Orleans trying to get to 10-2 and two and keep pace with uh, those teams like the 49ers and the Seahawks that are uh, sitting on top of the NFC right now. Do, uh, do the Saints get the revenge here uh, here's the thing yes i would think so okay but uh, atlanta i've i'm done trying to figure them out I just, <laughs> I know. You can't. It's, it's, the one thing yeah. i will say people are going to look at it they're going to go nine and two new orleans against three and eight atlanta it's going to be an entertaining football game like it's going to be fun i just don't know if atlanta's going to be able to you know lightning's going to strike twice there yeah uh new orleans has had ups and downs too, but every single time they've had a lull, they've bounced right back. Yeah. And yeah. I just think when you look at their weapons, what they offer, there are so many challenges for Atlanta to be able to stop them twice in a row. And offensively, there were years where Matt Ryan could just outshoot the other team. This hasn't been one of those years. So I think it's going to be really exciting. I'll probably get a chance to watch it on Thursday night. But other than that, I don't know where that one's going to end up. Yeah. All right. Well, It'd be great for the Packers' perspective, though. I mean, if New yeah, Orleans would, no would kind of you know drop their tee again, that's fine. Yeah. You know, and Packers can make up another game. Yeah. Certainly uh, certainly would help Green Bay there if, uh, if Atlanta were to get the season sweep over New Orleans. Quickly before we go, I have to get your thoughts on the game of the day in the NFL coming up on Sunday, which is the San Francisco 49ers traveling across the country to Baltimore to face Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I'm really disappointed we're not going to be able to watch this game yeah. because it's at the same time as Packers Giants. I know you and I will be, uh, you know, we'll be ha- have a little, uh, try to have a little window up on our screen, on our computer screens, just to follow the play-by-play a little bit and see how the score is developing there but what do you think of this game here san francisco at baltimore there's one matchup i want to watch and it's lamar jackson in that offense against san francisco's defense yep because you know this is going to be something where you don't want to take these for granted because it reminds me of 2014 where the packers beat the patriots it's the last time the new england lost that season right and we were like all right super bowl preview and it doesn't work out that way. So you want to appreciate for what it is. There's a lot of things that can happen between now and February. And even though these two look like front runners in their respective conference, a lot of things can change. So appreciate for what it is. And that appreciation is the hailstorm that Lamar Jackson is. And just the, the, the way he stresses defenses, mm-hmm. the integrity that, you know, your gap integrity has to be perfect. Your fundamentals have to be absolutely perfect. Oh, and then, by the way, he can hit you with a one-two punch with their backfield uh, when the ball isn't in his hands. So Yeah, they can play that road-grading yeah. run game and just try to 
it's a beautiful thing to watch. You. Yeah. And San Francisco is as good as anybody uh, when it comes to defense. I mean, they are on a historic pace right now. If they can hold it uh, in terms of their passing yards allowed, they're they're on pace to have the fewest passing yards allowed since 1960 in the NFL. <laughs> which in this age of renaissance yeah, offensive exa- football, exactly. when that's talking, incredible. Yeah, it is. Pittsburgh, yeah. or I should say, San Francisco, Baltimore. Uh, just seeing who comes out of that slugfest is going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, I think or that's going to be. Yeah, that's going to be. I'm definitely going to try to catch as many highlights of that game as I can. But for now, we do need to sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team, including Sunday afternoon's game against the Giants. It'll all be on packers.com subscribe to us like us on itunes and other podcast services and check out the packers youtube channel happy thanksgiving everybody thank you for tuning in we will see you next time